Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Allam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household are doing well. We have been talking about this on the subject of uh, the Holy Spirit and his gifts. And yesterday we talked about the aftermath of the day of Pentecost. And uh, I, I said that there were 3000 souls that were saved that day and there were miracles were happening and God was adding to the church. And that kind of situation is one that is set up for chaos and confusion and all kinds of strange doctrines and weird experiences. So what the apostles did was very good. Uh, they gathered the believers together and there were four things that they did. Firstly, they continued in the apostles doctrine and doctrine is very important. Doctrine is what the scripture teaches and what we believe that is doctrine. And it's very, very important uh, when for us to stay sound and straight and strong and in unity uh, to, to have sound doctrine. And so it says they continued in the apostles doctrine. Then it says in, in the breaking of bread and in fellowship and in prayer. So, you know, these, so we, we talked about these things, but today we're going to continue to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But first of all, a testimony like I've been sharing every day with you. And this is from Thailand. This was years ago. Um, I got to know this young couple and uh, they were new, uh, he, she was a new believer. The wife was a young believer and she had, she was married to a Muslim guy. He was an Arab, uh, kind of half Arab, half Thai, and she was a Thai lady. So she was a believer, he was a Muslim, and they were very nice. So they owned a travel agency. I used to go there and sit them with them and spend a lot of time of fellowship with them. So one day what happened, one of his relatives came for something and they said, Pastor, why don't you pray for him? So I prayed for the man and he got healed. Well, the next thing you know about 20 minutes later, a lady comes up and that was one of their relatives. She had told, he had obviously told some of uh, the members of the family because this family owned uh, a lot of the restaurants and stores and all that on that street. It's a street full of restaurants and eateries and, and shops and their family owns a major chunk of it. So, so the word began to spread that there was this, this man there who's praying for the sick. So. So all these Muslim people, these Muslim relatives began to show up one after the other. So after about three hours, they suggested, Pastor, you know, I mean, this uh, the travel agency place was small. So they had all these customers coming in and I was doing my revival thing there. So they said that, well, one of our relatives has a restaurant and it's in two levels, but they use the lower level. The upper level is empty. Uh, why don't you go there? And so I got there and soon I had this line of visitors, all Muslims coming and praying for, uh, coming to be prayed for. And you know, I, I would pray for them and each, it was amazing, each and every one of them that I prayed for was healed. And the word spread and more and more people were coming. Well, I couldn't continue with this because I think the next day or the day after I had to leave the country, I was just passing through. But my point I'm trying to make is this. Muslims are actually very open. It's very open if you offer to pray for them, uh, you know, uh, because uh, they have a tremendous respect for Jesus. And their Quran says that Jesus Christ is a healer and he heals the sick. So if you can bring the healing power of God to your Muslim friends and neighbors, you will really, really win their hearts. So I, I really encourage you, my friends, to, to take this to heart and, 
and and use this to connect with your uh, Muslim neighbors or friends, you know, this is a good way to connect with them. Offer to pray for them, say, uh, not just sickness, but anything, because they really respect that. Say, offer to pray, can I pray for you? Or, uh, you know, and, and then you pray for, like, I've had, I've had Muslim friends who said, you know, I'm trying to sell this house and I can't sell it. They're not offering me a good price for it. Can you pray for it? And I'll pray for it. And the house got sold. So take every opportunity because it opens doors for the gospel. Prayer for the sick especially and prayer to meet people's needs opens doors for the gospel and not only Muslim people but everybody, everybody. So it is a way for us to serve our Muslim friends and our non-Christian friends by offering to pray for them and lay hands on them and bless them. Praise God. Anyway, so I'm going to read to you certain, uh, a few uh, places in then in the gospel, I mean, sorry, in the book of Acts, where people were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And my point is this, look at this. Uh, 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 my point is this, that speaking in other tongues, speaking in other tongues is the initial outward evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying this because there are those who say, well, you don't have to speak in tongues to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you can be baptized with the Holy Spirit without speaking in tongues. Well, that 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 is silly because where is the evidence? Where is the beef? There has to be some kind of outward evidence when a person receives the Holy Ghost. And people say there are other gifts. Well, I would say what other gifts? If uh, someone doesn't speak in tongues, uh, does he begin to uh, heal the sick? Or does he get words of knowledge, words of wisdom? What other gifts? So, and, sec and thirdly, what does the Bible say? In the Bible, speaking in tongues is clearly the most, you know, the most clear outward evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you these scriptures. Now, Acts 2.33, uh, this is when Peter was <coughs> preaching to the Jews who heard them speaking in tongues and who had gathered around the disciples. Uh, and they were saying, look at these men, you know. And uh, anyway, Peter began to preach Christ. It says, therefore, being by the, in Acts 2.33, therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which ye now see and hear. When the baptism of the Holy Ghost came, the people saw and they heard something. There is always an outward expression, which is the outward evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the people, they heard something. When the baptism of the Holy Spirit came, the people saw something and they heard something. That's what it says here. They say, and Peter said, this you now see and hear. You see this and you hear this. That means they, they saw what happened and they heard them speaking other tongues. So speaking in other tongues is the initial outward evidence of the baptism with the Holy Ghost. Now there's here, here are a few examples of people getting baptized with the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts. Acts 2, 4, and this is the um, day of Pentecost. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, let's go to Acts 8, verses 14 to 17. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, 
who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon, that is Simon the sorcerer, the magician, saw that through the laying of the apostles' hand the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. So now, this is interesting because this is the only time, the one and the only time when people were baptized with the Holy Spirit, but it is not specifically mentioned that they spoke in tongues. But it doesn't mean they didn't because there was something that Simon saw. I mean, there was something uh, spectacular, or if you don't want to use the word spectacular, use another word, some outward, let's put it this way, there was some kind of outward experience, some outward expression that impressed Simon the sorcerer so much that he saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. So he offered them money. He offered to buy this power from them to be able to impart the Holy Ghost to people. So although it doesn't say specifically that they spoke in tongues, but there was an outward expression that was bold and loud enough to, to, uh, to um, impress Simon the magician, the sorcerer, that he wanted that gift. So the only plausible the explanation is that is that the people spoke in other tongues, they spoke in other languages. Now, let's look at the next one. Acts 10 verses 40 to 46, 44 to 46. This is when Peter was in the house of Cornelius. It says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, that is the Jews who were with Peter, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speaking tongues and magnified God. Now, this is interesting because in this case, there was no laying on of hands. Peter was preaching Christ. And as he preached, the Holy Ghost came upon them that heard his words. And, and the, the Jewish believers, I mean, they were all Jews who were with him. They were astonished. They were astonished because the, on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. And how did they know that they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnifying God. So it was by the speaking of tongues, speaking in other tongues that the believers who were with Peter knew that these people had received the Holy Ghost. And then the last example I want to give you is Acts 19 verse 6. It says, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And in this case, they both spoke with tongues and they prophesied. So it is very clear from the scriptures, uh, from the book of Acts, that tongues is the outward, initial outward evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, after this, there are subsequent infillings of service, you know, because in, in, in Ephesians, it says, uh, do not be drunk with wine wherein there is excess. That means don't be drunk against drunkenness, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word filled in the Greek implies a present continuous that 
you know, be filled, be filled every day. It wasn't a one-time filling on the day of Pentecost and you live the rest of your life on that, but it is a subsequent daily infilling on your life, receive the Holy Spirit. And on top of that, there were times when the Holy Ghost would suddenly come upon somebody as he stood in ministry. And so that's another kind of infilling. So there are infillings after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you some examples. In Psalm 92 verse, uh, verse uh, number 10, it says, But my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. And it says, I, this is David. He's saying, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. So there's a fresh, there's a new and fresh anointing available. Acts chapter 4 verse 8. Then it says, it says that, and then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. This is after Peter and John had raised up the man at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were dragged before the Pharisees and the high priest. And then they began to ask them, um, you know, by what power or by what name have you done this? And then it says, Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. That means at that moment, he was just full of the Spirit. The Spirit came upon him, said unto them, you rulers and the elders of Israel. So Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And here he's not um, referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but he's talking about a, an infilling at that moment. Now in Acts 4, 31, and after this incident, you know, they came back to their own company and the Bible says they began to pray. And it says here, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. So it says that, <coughs> it says that uh, the place where they, as they prayed, the place was shaken where they were standing and where they were praying together. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, in Acts 7, verses 55 and 56, uh, it talks about the, the martyrdom of, of Stephen. Now, this interesting thing about Stephen was that Stephen was one of the disciples of Jesus, but he was not an apostle. And the situation was interesting that, uh, that you know, they were making distribution of food to the widows and the orphans. The church used to do that, distribute food to the widows and the orphans. And some of the Greek widows and orphans felt like they had been left out of the distribution of the food and that, uh, uh, you know, and they complained. So what happened was that uh, it's obvious that there was some disorganization because the apostles were doing the distribution. And so they, they decided and the Lord basically spoke to them and the Lord said to them, that uh, the, you shouldn't do this. The apostles should be doing this because the apostles should be focusing on the word and on prayer. And instead, you should choose seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom and appoint them for this task. And the word there you, you, used there is deacon, is, uh, you know, um, is the Greek word for deacon. So a deacon is a person who waits tables and serves food to the widows and the orphans. So Stephen was actually one of these deacons. Stephen was one of these deacons who was chosen to, uh, to take part in the distribution of the food. But it says 
even for the job of deacon, says choose seven men full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. So Stephen was a man who was full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And Stephen was also preaching and he was preaching Christ. And then the, you know, the, the Jews took him and they wanted to kill him. And this describes his martyrdom. It says, but Stephen, uh, you know, he preached at the end of his message. He says, but he being full of the Holy Ghost. Now, this is not the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but this was in that particular situation. The Holy Ghost came upon him and he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. So uh, Stephen, he, the Holy Ghost came upon him. And, and, you know, this is one of the subsequent infillings. The Holy Ghost came upon him and he looked up and he saw the heavens open and Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Then, in Acts 13, there's another example. This is Paul, and it says Saul. Then Saul, uh, in verses 9 uh, and 10, it says, Then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes upon him. And they, this was a sorcerer, a magician who was making trouble. And uh, Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost and looked at him and said to him, Oh, uh, and said, O oh, full of all subtility and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of righteousness, will now cease, will not thou cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And Paul immediately spoke to him and said, You're going to be struck blind. And the man was struck blind for a season. But Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost. So, you know, there, there are those times when. Uh, when in the service of the Lord, when uh, when we we are already baptized with the Holy Spirit and we are walking with God, and there are times when the Holy Ghost will come upon us and uh, uh, to to execute a certain thing that He wants us to do, and uh, and um, you know I can give you several examples. One of those examples is when I was in a, a years ago, years ago, many years ago. Uh, I was in Asia and I was in a place called Vandavasi, which was a, a hotbed of extremists. And they told me that nobody has ever been able to start a church there because these extremists, whenever Christians have come there to preach, extremists have stoned them and driven them out of town. And anyway, so we went there, we did a four night crusade. And I think it was, the, I don't remember, but it was, I mean, I'm talking about 1984 uh, or 85. 35, 36 years ago. But what happened was uh, a, a, a woman came with this uh, little girl, her daughter. And the daughter had, uh, I mean, she was born with uh, both her legs completely paralyzed. I mean, they, they hung like matchsticks. She was about 10 years old. And here's this girl's body, her torso, and her legs were just, they just hung like pens, pencils, you know. And the mother was weeping hysterically. She had a couple of other ladies with her. And she said to me, uh, she, she was screaming, crying and my, to the interpreter. And she said to me that um, uh, this, my daughter has never walked. Her legs are useless. Can you pray for her? And you know, I was young. I was, I was, I was, I was new in all this. And, uh, uh, and but 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 I I had been in prayer. I had been before the Lord. You know. L l uh, let me just tell you one thing. If you stand face to face before God, 
you can stand face to face before any devil, any disease. Let me repeat this. If you stand face to face before God, you can stand face to face before any devil, any disease. So I had spent a lot of time before the Lord. And so, but I didn't know what to do. So <clears throat> I remember I took the girl's hips uh, in my hands. The mother was holding her. And I remember I looked up and, uh, and, and it was a beautiful, clear sky. I saw the stars. I'll never forget this. It was a clear sky and I saw the stars. I mean, these millions of stars. And I remember looking up and this cry came out of me. And I said, oh, Jesus. Uh, no, I said, I said, oh, Jesus. I said, oh, God, who you raised. Uh, you got, I said, I said, uh, I said, oh God of Elijah, God who raised your son Jesus from the dead, send down your power and heal this little girl in the name of Jesus. The moment I said that, suddenly the Holy Ghost came on me. I just can't describe it. Something hit my head and it went like a flash, went into my shoulder. And I remember going out to my arms, to my hands. And at the moment it left my hands, entered into the girl's body, her whole body shook. And in an instant, she was healed. I told the mother, put her down, put her down. And the girl stood and she walked and she ran. It was an amazing thing. But that was one of those moments when, when we are standing serving God and God sends his Holy Ghost, you know. And uh, it is nothing that you can create and do it in the flesh. There's a lot of things you can do in the flesh. You can run, jump, shout, fall and laugh. You can do a lot of things in the flesh, but there's certain things you cannot do in the flesh and it has to be God. And so that was like, I can say I was filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, the Holy Ghost, boom, it just hit me and it accomplished that purpose. And then, then it left and, uh, I don't understand it. Uh, I cannot uh, orchestrate it. But what I do know that when we walk with God and we walk in the place of, place of prayer, the Holy Ghost does come upon us. And at times he can give us uh, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom and a, a working on miracle gift of faith. I mean, that's how the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate. And that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow, we're going to start talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We have come to that. So, but this being filled with the Holy Ghost, I mean, the first thing is we are baptized with the Holy Ghost and we speak in tongues and we just walk with God because it's not just enough. You see, many people have an experience of the baptism, but they don't walk with God. You got to walk with God, my friend. You be baptized with the Holy Spirit, then you walk with God. And as you walk with the Lord and, you know, live a life of devotion, you, you worship Jesus and you pray in tongues. And, 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 then, and then there are those times within that context of walking with God. Boom, the Holy Ghost hits you there. Boom, he hits you there. And then, then God moves through you and he can bring a, word or he can bring a miracle. It can be a physical miracle. It can be, uh, I've seen people, uh, let, me give, let me give another example. Many years ago, I was at a conference and I was just attending the conference. I was not uh, preaching there. I was just, nobody knew me there. I was, except a couple of people, I was just there. So there was one lady who, uh, this was in America, I lived in Sweden and I was in the US and one lady 
from the church had been designated to drive me from the airport. So I got to know her because she drove me around. She was older than me. She's home with the Lord now. But anyway, she came and picked me up and she was one of those people helping in the conference. So I was sitting like, I think almost in the back row. Uh, the, uh, you know, the preacher had preached and now they were ministering to people, laying hands on people. I was just sitting in the back watching when suddenly I saw the lady who had driven me from the airport uh, she was kind of kind of beckoning me and I looked at her she said yeah it's you come 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 so I came I walked to the front and I walked to the front and um, and they they were she and a couple of her friends were ministering to a young lady who was on her knees and this young lady had been brought from a mental hospital she was uh, I don't know what was wrong with her but it was very very severe mental thing she had and uh, and uh, they had brought her from a mental hospital where she was confined and they were praying for her. And, and then she said to me, this lady who had, had driven me from the airport, she says, brother, could you pray for her? I said, okay. And then this lady on her knees, the lady from the who had just been in the mental hospital, she was like, her mind was gone. She looked at me and uh, she turned and looked at me in the eyes and her eyes, I had never seen anyone look like that. It was like totally wild, you know. And at that moment, the Holy Ghost came upon me. The moment that girl looked at me, the Holy Ghost came upon me and I laid my hands on her and I said, in the name of Jesus, every kind of darkness, every spirit, leave her in Jesus' name. And suddenly I felt the power of God just came right through me and drained right into her. And at that instant, she was set free. I'm still in touch with her and she's still free. She's married, she has a family and God is blessing her. But you know, those are the things when the Holy Ghost moves upon us and God does his thing. And the way we can do is be filled with the Holy Ghost and live in that continuous infilling, continuous infilling, live, walk with the Holy Ghost. Well, God bless you. Tomorrow we'll start talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who can hear my voice. Put your hand upon them. Bless them. Touch them. Bless their families. If there be any sickness or disease in their house, I curse every disease. I curse every sickness and infirmity in the name of Jesus. I curse the coronavirus and every kind of sickness and infirmity. Father, you said you'd bless our food and our water. Turn every sickness away from us. I thank you, Father, for your grace, for your mercy given to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it. Praise the Lord. As the Bible says, serve the Lord with gladness. Psalm 100 verse 2.